Not ready? Too bad. Head back, face forward, and hold on like you mean it! Hello and welcome to Review Time's Theme Podcast. This is a weekly show where we discuss all the ins and outs of attractions and parks from around the world. My name is Luke and this week we are getting in our time travel limo and celebrating the 20th anniversary of Disney's California Adventure. Joining us on our journey is a man who thinks DCA would have been more successful if one of its lands was simply a smaller version of Disneyland, the ultimate California travel destination. It's my Review Time co-host, Dominic Lacey. Look, you could kind of make it like the drive-through movie world experience, the junior driving school, oh, yeah, yeah. where it's literally just like drive around a small version of a movie world, which I'm always afraid to do at movie world because I just, I'm worried about the weird looks from parents because this yeah. is a kid's ride. I think I've done it <laughs> once. And I think I did it with my girlfriend. So I think you might get away with it a little more if you're, you know, a male and a female. Yeah, uh, then if, but then the times you know we've been by ourselves, just one person might look two a bit guys. weird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but I think Disney—they kind of did at DCA. Remember the end of Soren? You don't land back at Disney's California Adventure. You land back uh, yeah. at Disneyland. So even they knew that Disney's California Adventure wasn't photogenic enough. Like it was an iconic, like you know, the castle with with mm. Tinkerbell flying over it and the Matterhorn, that uh, sort of stuff. But if they open that with DCA, then chances are when this ride was in development, DCA wasn't at a completed stage where they could actually film over it. Yeah, true. Which kind of makes sense. So, yeah, yeah maybe they still had a little bit of faith in DCA. But <laughs> I guess this uh, this episode, we're going to talk about how pretty much no one had faith in DCA, except for yeah. Michael Eisner and all of his uh, cronies who really wanted to sell <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, so the reason we're talking about this park at the moment is because just a couple of weeks ago on the 8th of February, it celebrated its 20th birthday, which it was closed oh, for, unfortunately. Have, but oh, have we mentioned that DCA is Disney's California Adventure? I always at the get- opening, At the opening. Literally, oh. it was like the, the second sentence. I called it Disney's California Adventure. And then in the next sentence, I called it DCA. That's that's what we do. Oh. It's like Mario, where they put the block in front of you to make you jump over it. We're just like, oh, we're going to wean you into it. Uh, no, I'm I'm always just petrified that people have no idea what we're talking about. But I guess if you're this far into it, um, then I guess you would be. I'm going to start on episode 25. That, that's that's the logical place to start the show. Um, but yeah, that the reason I did it there was because of that. And that is the only scripted part of the podcast, little behind the scenes part. That's where true. The hello and welcome through to uh, the introdu- introduction of your co-host. A little little secret. I'll also we give you improv a- the weird things we introduce each other with. We we script that, and I probably think more about it than I should for the payoff of the gag. I'll- Look, I'll I'll admit, um, I'm not sure if you're the same in this sense, but I actually don't listen to half of what you say in the intro because I'm trying to think of something to say <laughs> in retaliation yeah. to what you say. Because I'm same. like, oh, if we don't have flow, and it's like, oh, the smaller <laughs> desktop, oh, oh, movie world, okay. No yeah, no <laughs> um, <laughs> There's no stopping this podcast. <laughs> but Disney's California Adventure, it is the second 
theme park at the Disneyland Resort. It is the theme park that turned Disneyland from a single park destination, which opened in 1955, to a multi-park resort. It could have done better. And I would say in the last 20 years, it's probably seen the biggest sweeping changes of any Disney theme park in the world in that kind of period of time. 20 years, this park is almost completely different from what it opened as. Completely understandable. Like, for those that don't know, Disney's California Adventure, when it opened, uh, let's give a little bit of context. They basically went, hey, what if we make it so that you don't have to go to all of California on your journey around. Like, if you go to LA and you go to Disneyland, just go to California Adventure Park, and then you can experience all of California <laughs> in this theme park. Yes. Uh, and it sounds <laughs> as good as an idea as it actually turned out to be. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> if you're there, saying, there wow, are- I don't see how that could be good, you're right. It wasn't. Uh, but let's take it back. Let's take it back to pre-DCA. Oh, so, Ooh. the early 1990s- Are we uh, going to make the time Eisner, machine sounds? No. And we're not going to do a little, let's pretend we're walking around DCA shtick <laughs> like we always do in the show Oh, let's well. pretend we're walking around the car park. <laughs> and, no, we have to keep Michael the tradition. Eisner, and he's going, oh. uh, you know the thing I hate? He said, Disney World, that's a multi-day destination. People come- mm. People stay on site. They give us the money. They stay for days at a time. But Disneyland in the 1990s is pretty much the same as it was in 1955 in the way that it's a single theme park, a humongous surface lot with all the cars, and then a hotel. And that's it. That's Hmm. how it's been since opening day. For over 40 years, that's what the Disneyland Resort in inverted commas was. It was just Disneyland Park. Well, the problem was they didn't have Tinder then, so Disneyland was guaranteed to be a single theme park for quite a while, but... Oh, jeez. <laughs> Can I wrap up the episode now? You know how we'll say uh, don't ruin the flow of the podcast. Uh, well, what did I just do? <laughs> uh, fair enough. But Eisner, he wants to make Disneyland like Disney World, this multi-park destination. So, they announce... Huge plans to turn Disneyland into the Disneyland Resort. Uh, so on May the 8th, 1991, they announce Disneyland Resort. And guess what's nowhere to be seen? Disney's California Adventure. They announce a $3 billion yeah. expansion where they are going to completely redevelop uh, Disneyland. So they're going to have Disneyland Park, a complete redo of the Disneyland Hotel, three brand new hotels, an amphitheater, a shopping center district, and the cornerstone, a second theme park built on the only place Disney could, the car park, essentially. Could you imagine how exciting this would have been for Disneyland fans at the time, though? Like, if you lived around that area, you're seeing all the happenings that's going on at, you know, you've got Tokyo doing their thing, Mm. you've got um, Walt Disney World now with their second theme park, like Walt Disney World sort of set that precedent as yeah. being this huge vacation destination because it had well, more that than point, one Disney, park. Uh, Disney World has three theme parks. Ah, yeah, true. Magic cause... Kingdom, Epcot Center, and MGM Studios. It's uh, the early 90s, 1991. And then seven years later, they would get their fourth. 
So at that stage, essentially, Disneyland, whilst it was really good, would have been the equivalent of like if you were living in Hong Kong and you've just mm. got that one theme park. It's the one thing that you can do. Yeah. And then suddenly out of the blue, they're like, you're getting a second theme park. And it's an amazing theme park that they announced. Do, do yeah. you want to talk about it? Yeah, I, I think an interesting thing as well is people before Disneyland became a resort, they essentially called Disneyland the world's biggest regional theme park in that most people just ah. did come from a day for a day or two from around the area. People would drive in, spend a day at Disneyland and drive out. That's what Michael Eisner Which wanted I would to do. <laughs> that's what they Michael Eisner wanted to fight. He wanted them to stay. And the way to make them stay was a brand new theme park called Westcott. This was going to be the West Coast version of Epcot. See where they got the mm. name? Uh, but they've learned since, in the 10 years since Epcot, uh, it would have been a more modern look with, you know, waterfalls, greenscapes, not just the concrete jungle that is Epcot at the moment. Because even in 10 years since it came out, that had kind of fallen out of favor as, you know, a futuristic architecture. Uh, so 1991, everything looks great until... Our good friend, 1992, comes around. And what what happened in 1992? Other than the good thing, I was born. But what bad thing happened in 1992? I wasn't born yet, so the world was out of balance. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But the other thing is Euro Disneyland open. And failed pretty dramatically straight out of the starting gates. Uh, Hmm. They had completely misinterpreted what they wanted to do. They had misinterpreted what the European people would want in a theme park. So they designed this grandiose, expensive theme park that nobody wanted to visit. And it's kind of the beginning of when we see Michael Eisner shift in his tenure a Mm. little. Uh, Also, when Frank Wells, his right-hand man, passes away in a helicopter accident. These are the changes for... Eisner that kind of have led to what a lot of people say is like, oh, the dark ages of Disney. But you can Mm. see why these sort of decisions were made from Disney's California Adventure to Walt Disney Studios Paris and parks like that when they did this amazing, spectacular theme park of Euro Disneyland and it just flopped. Well, that's the the crazy thing about Michael Eisner is that he had such success in his early tenure as CEO of Disney because he was basically brought in from the outside to fix the company. And he did that. He made Disney essentially the recognizable company that we know today. We wouldn't have he, Disney without Eisner. Mm, he no expanded way. it in such a way that it turned this sort of small theme park provider who were good like they were still sort of the top of the theme park industry and yeah sort of tv movie producer and he just went we really need to hone in on this family market and they just went gangbusters with it and you can tell that there was a point where any like he had the midas touch he was walking around just touching everything and it was making (laughs) money this started hitting that point where i think that you know, adrenaline started to wear off Hubris for the company. as well for Disney, I think. Yeah. yeah. The interesting thing about Euro Disneyland is the way they designed it was, what if you took something that was American and made it European? That's super enticing for Americans. Yeah. Not super enticing for Europeans. They ended up going there and going like, this is, 
this is kind Weird. of crap. <laughs> it was kind of a stuck. It was kind of stuck between the two. It didn't fully go European, and it didn't fully go American. So it didn't really appeal to anyone. And mm. if you got to park in Europe, that's not appealing to Europeans. You're probably gonna struggle. And you got a problem. They did. Uh, so yep. Euro Disneyland fails spectacularly out of the gates in 1992. The next few years are, what do we do? What do we do? And quietly. They cancel Westcott in 1995. Uh, and this was the scenes- kind of em- like embarrassing for the Disney company because yeah. they made a big deal. Like this was part of the Disney decade. Yeah. They this were ready to those- just be like, yeah, this isn't one of those, you know, little secret. You need to, you know, delve into the archives online to find out about this project, you know, that was going to be. This was announced. Westcott Center and the entire Disneyland Resort was announced in 1991. And until 1995, it looked to be going ahead. But Mm. in 1995, it's been cancelled. But Disney still wants to turn the Disneyland Resort into... uh, Sorry, the Disneyland area into the Disneyland Resort. So Michael Eisner takes all of his executives away on a three-day retreat to Aspen, Colorado... And says to them, you have three days. Make me a second gate for Disneyland. I don't know why I love this story so much. Because I can just imagine like a memo would have gone around the office and it's like, hey, tell your kids and your wife that you ain't coming home this weekend. And they'd probably be like, oh my gosh, they've been deployed to like Disney War. They're going to fight against Universal or something. And it's actually Michael Eisner being there like, I want a second gate. I just don't want to pay a lot of money for yeah. a second gate. I'm, so I just give me ideas. This, this visual of Michael Eisner locking the doors with this comedically <laughs> oversized key. And he's like, only a good idea will get you out of here. He just swallows it. Glum. <laughs> It's like we got three days until it passes through. (laughs) Which, if you've heard that, you know, the whole rumor that, I don't think it's a rumor, I think it is actually true, that when Walt was pitching Disneyland to the banks, he had uh, one of his Imagineers draw up that spectacular map of Disneyland overnight. Mm. So it has been done. The difference, of course, being Walt knew what Disneyland was going into that. These people had three days to completely design an idea for a theme park and sell it to Michael Eisner with the little caveat that, oh, you remember that Westcott expansion with all of that exciting stuff? That was $3 billion. Okay. Mm. Uh, Remember this new expansion? Cut that in half. $1.4 billion. uh, But you have to build the park, uh, a retail district, as well as some hotels. Good luck. Three days times a ticking. It's but, just, yeah. you can understand the stress that they would go through. And the thing that I want to point out is I'm fairly certain that very few Imagineers were involved in this process. Like, yeah, this so was it'll just become from a top we level. Through the park, uh, who oh, yeah. was involved in this when we compare the amount of attractions to the amount of dining locations and retail opportunities. But from what I understand, this Aspen retreat was a lot of you know, the executives of merchandising and the executive Mm. of film and television, like those sort of things, not Imagineers, which is why at the end of the day, as you were saying earlier, their idea was people didn't base their entire trip to Southern California or the greater Californian region around Disneyland. It was just a stopover 
on their trip. Unlike Walt Disney World, where people would plan a trip to Orlando and just go to Disney World for the entire trip. Mm. So their genius, in inverted commas, idea was to make it so no one had to go anywhere else in California and bring everything California has to offer to them. You could experience everything good in California in a single day. This is according to them, not according to us. But it's like, when you start to look at what they chose to sort of advertise, you start to realise that the idea falls apart insanely quickly. Very, like, very quickly. <laughs> when you look at the greater picture and you're like, uh-huh, uh-uh. <laughs> mm. So, behind the scenes, they, they designed this park and all of this, and ultimately, 2001, it opens up, as we said earlier, the 8th of February, 2001, and the park only costs $600 million, yeah. which is nothing. Like, that's <laughs> that a such a small of amount ride. of money. <laughs> yeah, nowadays. Um, what do we... Galaxy's Edge cost a billion dollars at each location. What is it? $200 million for Expedition Everest. $300 yeah. million dollars for Hagrid's Motorcycle Adventure. This entire park costs $600 million. And it's very evident That's, from yeah. the, the, the quality of the attractions and, and just the technology use. The thing that I find the about lack Disney's of California, <laughs> like that's when you get into it, you realise there is no innovation here. There was nothing mm -hmm. that made it a necessary addition like to one the ride. Disneyland Resort. That's it. Mm. One good ride, pretty much, I would say, in this entire park. Like one, you know, there's a few fun rides, but one ride that kind of furthered the art of themed entertainment. That's what. Mm. That's it. And I'm sure and we'll go through that later. Have well, a guess what you think it might be. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty obvious if you know the park. But let's let's we're, we're jumping in our time travel limo, as we said at the top oh, of the episode. Yes, we're going back to 2001. Do I get to pretend like I'm there? Okay, we've got out of our limo. We're going oh, through where are we? Oh, no, there's no security at 2001 oh. DCA, I don't think. So you go through, we've got our tickets at the ticket booth, and we're here. We're at the entrance to Disney California Adventure. Now, the entrance oh, to Disney it's... California Adventure is interesting. No, Luke, I'm set building. Do you building. hate it or do you love it? No, I'm set building. I still haven't gotten oh. around the. Oh, it's 2001. Um, I'm in the Esplanade. <laughs> Have you got some frosted I'm, tips? Is that 2001? I've got frosted tips. <laughs> um, at what point? It's got February, so I'm Jenko not yet jeans. <laughs> scared of the world. Later that year, I will be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All's good. You're Ooh. about to go to Disneyland's second gate. Disneyland, at this stage, is that your favorite theme park in the world? In 2001, it was my favorite theme park in the world. It still is in 2021. I don't think I had gone at that point. I had been to Walt Disney World in 1999, which oh, I think, right, yeah. judging by, I have like my parents thankfully saved like all of the park maps from theme parks I had been to when I was uh, younger, which I thank them for because now I have them. But going through them, I have a park map from Disneyland from like 1999. And I'm hmm. trying to figure out, I don't remember us going to 
LA on this trip. Like this was a big America trip that my family did. I'll have to ask them about it because yeah, where it's from. I don't remember going, <laughs> but I do remember going to San Francisco. So we were close because my brother and sister, they were pretty much the entire time were in friend, uh, San Fran waiting for the tram. They were like, I love to dance. I love to disco. <laughs> I left my heart. In San Francisco. <laughs> this was like, they did that all day. That's all I remember, waiting <laughs> for the tram with them doing that. So Which, Just think, if you had have gone two years later, you wouldn't have had to go to San Fran. You could have just gone to Disney's California Adventure. Oh, thank God. <laughs> what a shame. You had to experience <laughs> no, the actual California. Uh, but 2000, my first trip to Disneyland Resort was in 2000. Uh, so, I actually remember mm. watching this theme park be built from like- Whoa. The Esplanade from my hotel. I remember, like, I have a vivid memory. I was only eight at the time, but I have a vivid memory of California screaming for some reason. Like, a vivid memory of a roller coaster looping around a Mickey Mouse ear. I did you why stay so- in an on-site resort? Like, did you no, have we a stayed on- room or something? No, we stayed on uh, South Harbor, but South Harbor is a better view <laughs> than the Disneyland Hotel because it's closer uh, so we would have like from our hotel True. we could see the park under construction. Yeah, and you could obviously. I see guess it at that point it was parts of Disneyland almost, as well. Sort yeah, of. Yeah, it was like almost entirely vertical at this point anyway. Yeah. So it, it doesn't really matter where you yeah. are. You would have been able to see it. You so can see something. Silly question on my behalf. So. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going through the entrance, and now this entrance I quite like. The entrance is designed as a giant postcard, but you have to see it from a very specific angle. So, it's got these huge letters out the front. It's got this, like, you know, C-A-L-I-F-O-R-N-I-A, like, separate letters that spell California. If you have a letter in your name, I'm pretty sure by law you had to get a picture in that letter. (laughs) So, I have a picture in the L. You wouldn't, sadly, is that, that's probably why you didn't like this entrance. No No, giant um, D letter picture for Dom. I hated uh, California Adventure Park because there was no D in California. There's no California um, Adventure. <laughs> they should have replaced uh, the R in it with a D, and then it's California. California. <laughs> Why didn't I reckon if it was California, the park would still be around today with its lettering out the front. Oh, 100%. They would have closed Disneyland because no one would have gone. Everyone would have just gone to to California. I I actually need to look at it to say that because I'm like, I'm not going to be able to say that right. So, it's got this design. We've we've got these big letters out the front. And then, like, flanking the entranceway is the world's largest tile mural. And if you do take a picture from right between the two parks, Central, it does look like a postcard of California. Mm. Like you they get even, what like, they're going for, it so yeah. that they've got like the proper framing, and mm. it's it's got this cool sort of like in the middle. You've got the Golden Gate Bridge, yeah. and the monorail actually goes through that. And oh boy, do they love that because it's used in almost every single <laughs> promo shot of this early <laughs> yeah. iteration of the park. Which that was one of the most photogenic parts, so it makes sense. Oh yeah, like as soon as you walk in, it's just not as good <laughs> but yeah i i as well really like this part I, I think it was a very clever idea mm. and i think it was one of the few clever ideas that was actually <laughs> present at dca so do we do we want to head inside or will we have a cheeky break before we head inside uh, let's head inside first let's let's head inside quickly 
Uh, yeah. We'll talk about the entrance land first. Damn my my break. That's a <laughs> dumb idea. We're like 20 Get minutes that out of here. Break, boy. <laughs> uh, so the entrance uh, to the park is in a land called Sunshine Plaza. It's got this really Ooh. magical name to it. And if you've listened to our Hong Kong Disneyland episode, you're about to see some similarities in that Disney California Adventure likes to classify everything as an attraction in the same way Hong Kong Disneyland likes to classify everything as an attraction. Oh, if you count no. just rides, just rides themselves, like physical rides, there's 11 rides in this park upon opening. Mm. 11 rides. But don't worry, you can definitely fill in your day with the 26 dining locations. Oh, that's <laughs> <Eleven> a lot. <laughs> that's, so for every ride that you do, you need to eat at two dining locations to fill in your day. So I'm just looking here. So we've actually got a, a park map in front of us, similar to what we had with Hong Kong Disneyland. Um, just looking at this map, like bring up, just type into Google when you find the chance, like pull over on the side of the road if you're driving, <laughs> um, just swerve through as much traffic as you can to just stop. Uh, I don't understand. do that um, because I don't want to get sued for doing a <laughs> podcast on theme parks. But basically just look at this opening day park map and you just look at it and go, wow, this is very uninspired. <laughs> like, it's- And it's very tiny. Like, the park is probably twice the size today as it is mm. at opening. Which, but I just, like, it's not you a huge park this, today. <laughs> no, like, you look at this and I would sometimes spend, you know, hours just looking at the intricate details mm. of something like the Disneyland park map because it's just so chock full of details. And in this, is just looking at it as a whole, it's like, yeah, it's, it's chock got full of restaurants. Mountain. <laughs> that's about it. Lake. I, I I still don't understand why they went, hey, we've got this small plot of land. Let's fill half of it with water. <laughs> it just, I actually like Paradise so many, Bay. <laughs> I do as well, but I just think in terms of wise uses of space, I think legitimately it must have been one of those things where they're looking at Universal and they're like, Universal have a lake? No, we need one too. <laughs> Which you can fill in a, you can make your park look bigger if you put in that lake. It's a little effort. Just dig a hole, put some water in it. There's a look how big this land is. Uh, true. That does make a lot of sense. It's easier to make a lake than it is a mountain. So let's say we've walked through our Golden Gateway, which is the Golden hmm. Gate Bridge, as you're saying, which is the monorail bridge. We've got in front of us the icon of Disney's California Adventure. Shimmering is it in the sunlight. Eisner? I wish. If it was an Eisner <laughs> partner statue of some description, or where it's just got a speech bubble that says hello, or amazing. Oh. But no, instead we've got listed. Uh, no, it's not listed as an attraction. Phew. The sun. What? It's. I don't remember the actual name of this. It's called something. All I remember it as is the hubcap. Yeah, I remember it as the, the hubcap. I think it was meant to be like sh- the shine mon- like monument. It's the sun something. Some, like the sun yeah. something. I don't remember what, though. Basically, what it was meant to be is that if you're looking, um, there's like a specific point that you're meant to look at the postcard design at the front of the park uh, from the Esplanade. Mm. 
the sun was like this big monument as you walk into the park. That was meant to be the um, essentially the sun behind everything, like the sun rising in a postcard. Which it just looks like a big gold metal disc with some smaller metal spikes coming off it. If you haven't seen it, that's all it is. It's the icon of the park. So think of your Disney castles. Think of your, you know, the things that drag you up Main Street USA. The thing that's dragging you up this part of the park is a big gold circle, essentially, (laughs) which has some fountains. I think it has some fountains, maybe. That's like it. Um, That's the kinetics of it. That's... If, if you've sold me on it, Luke, I'm <laughs> ready to we, go. Before we go too far, let's have a quick talk about the only things to do in Sunshine Plaza, other than look at the hubcap. Uh, there's two restaurants, one called Engine mm. Ears Toys and one called oh, Greetings from California. Uh, and there's two restaurants, a one that's in a train, which is kind of cool. Mm. I like the train. I remember the yeah, train. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Um and an ice creamery that's called Burbank Ice Cream. Oh, I Which, hate that. Get ready, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. If there's one thing about DCA, it's that they must have thought they had the world's greatest comedian, Jerry Seinfeld, writing the names to the stores. Because almost every store and restaurant is some terrible pun. And Burbank ice cream is just the start of it. And Burbank isn't even a popular, famous place. <laughs> it's like a niche place that pe- I only know of it because of Disney. Like it's just who even the engineers' of- toys oh. is oh. engine ears, ears, as in like Mickey yeah, ears, Mickey and it's like ears. and it had like that's not Mickey even a good pun, no, because it's entirely visual. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it's so. Get ready because we're going to take a quick little break now. We need a, a breather to, before we get too angry. But once we come back, we're going to talk about all the puns and the, the no, no attractions that Disney California Adventure opened with 20 years ago. Oh, I'm ready. All right. And we are back. We had a breather. We've expressed all our anger about the sun wheel. We, we, we're going in fresh. We're going to go into the park. We're going to take a left. Now, this park isn't designed, you know, like a classic Disney park where it's a big circle and, you know, you can get to each land from multiple different locations. No, this park, you go one way or the other. And if you want to go the other way later in the day, you have to come back through the plaza, the Sunshine Plaza. So, yeah, it's just. Yeah. And it's it's like not even a hub. It's like a horseshoe. Yeah. So, you have to like. You can't just walk from this sort of offshoot land into one of the other lands. It's like literally, if you walk into the left, it's a dead end. Yeah. That's <laughs> you have to come back the exact same way. Which would have mm-hmm. been absolutely wonderful for congestion. I'm sure that like everyone would have loved that. Especially <laughs> at busy times like parades and which yeah. look in here, like they've actually got a proper parade round. Oh, we'll talk about the parade. That's going to be our little finale of the episode, <laughs> oh, talking no. about the parade. So get ready for that. But we're going into which, if you were to think of, just think, Dom, of a, you know, a theme that just screams magic. It just screams immersion. And now think mm. of the opposite of that. And you'll probably think yeah. of a back lot. 
And guess yes. what DCA had as its entry, like big land on the left as you enter. A backlot. Yay. Yay. We love backlot that- theme parks. <laughs> and it doesn't even make sense because, well, I guess it does. Like, yeah, th- Disney has shown that they can <laughs> do backlots. But even then, it's like Disney has their own sort of studios and they have studio tours why do they need to do that here again (laughs) except for that it's cheap (laughs) yep uh that's exactly it uh so hollywood pictures backlot has like one street that's like kind of decently themed ish uh Hmm. so you walk down it as you turn into the land and ahead it's got one of those paintings that's made to look 3d but it's actually just a big painted wall. And that that's kind of cool, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so you walk on in and first things that you'll notice in the lands are two restaurants. Surprise, surprise. Um, They're literally like flanking you as yeah. you walk on in. There's the ABC soap opera bistro on one side. And then on the other one, you've got another amazing pun. <laughs> award wieners. Wieners. Oh, God. Which sells gourmet sausages and hot dogs. Which award wieners is still there to this day. Uh, ABC soap really? opera bistro was like a sit down restaurant where different parts of the restaurant were themed to different ABC TV soap operas. Oh, I remember which, that. And yeah, like, which now it's like Playhouse Disney live on stage or Disney Junior live on stage, whichever those it is. Uh, like, okay. they got rid of it to add another attraction. But apparently it was kind of cool. So they kept Award Wieners, the worst one, and um, <laughs> got rid of the sit down, which makes sense. Uh, so we'll walk further in. And one of the cool things in this area to me is the Disney animation building. This is this huge air conditioned. Yeah. Uh, area and inside it's got this lobby with all these it looks like paper all around the wall but it's got these almost little shows where a movie will come to life and you'll see the concept art turn into the actual animation and that part's really cool it's probably one of the best parts of the park upon opening this is surprisingly i've been to dca a couple of times and I will actually admit I've never really been in this building. I think I've only once like walked in, walked out. But it's just because at the same time as it being amazing, it sort of just blends in. There's nothing yeah. to sort of draw you in no. there you except for maybe the allure of air conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> Which it's like, yeah, it doesn't really stand out compared to the other buildings that are around it. Mm. Like, it's got this nice marquee that says animation building, but you kind of walk, like, around a corner, weird corner to get into it. Like, it's not a big, come on in, guys, Mm. sort of thing. Even, like, down the end of the street, the Hyperion Theatre, unless those doors are open, you wouldn't necessarily know that that's a theatre right there. Like, this part of the park, they've done a pretty bad job in setting sort of where the attractions are combined with where everything else is, and- I will admit that there are, like, in the times that I went to DCA, it's only in recent years that I've looked back and actually gone, oh, the Hyperion Theatre is a theatre. You can go in there. Either I was just there at a time when they weren't showing anything, or it's just because it was, you know, poorly advertised in its own land. Yeah. Which, even if it... So, yeah, the Hyperion Theatre, it's a 2,000-seat theatre. It's one of the biggest theatres in any Disney theme park. Mm. You kind of walk towards the building 
and then take a weird right and go around the side of the building to get into the theater. And that's where they like hold you as well. So it's really Mm. weird and quite confusing. And they've got this kind of fake facade as we're talking about with the wall, but it all gets destroyed as soon as you walk around the corner and just see the gray, you know, beigey colored building that the theater is actually in. Mm. Like it just doesn't make sense. The uh, most embarrassing thing is once you get to one of the later attractions, uh, it actually stands out more than these A-list attractions. Like this E-list sort of, well, <laughs> sorry, I should use the actual tickets. Like though the Hyperion Theatre, I'd say, is like a solid D. Um, yeah. The animation, I would say, is solid D as well. And then yeah. you've got this like B-ticket attraction because it sort of goes A is the worst, E is the best. <laughs> has probably one of the most enticing weenies to drag you towards mm-hmm. it, with the weenie being like, you know, hey, come, go come into me. Come on in, come on <laughs> in. Uh, so quickly, uh, elsewhere in the land, we've also got uh, Jim Henson's Muppet Vision 3D. Same version, that's at Disney MGM Studios. It's a really fun show. Yeah. it's That's all we have to say about it. Uh, and, of course... We, d- we don't want to talk about it too much because it might be coming up on an upcoming episode in the future. But the worst Disney theme park attraction of all time, Superstar Limo, is in this area of the park. If you don't know, quick recap of this ride. Other than it being the worst, uh, originally envisioned as a high-speed roller coaster ride where a limo is trying to escape from the paparazzi... Unfortunately, oh, Princess- how does that sound familiar? Yeah. Hmm. Unfortunately... <laughs> Princess Diana tragically dies in a car accident being chased by the paparazzi. They have to completely redo the ride. And their idea to completely redo the ride is an incredibly slow moving dark ride through some of the most terrifying animatronics of all time, all Uh. based off like C-list ABC celebrities. It's Drew Carey. (laughs) He's an A-plus lister in my eyes, but some of the others, I don't know who they are. I don't know if I want to know who they are. Hey, you don't know Antonio Banderas. (laughs) I know his name. That's about the most I know about him. Uh, I know that he's Spanish. Whoopi Goldberg's in two attractions at opening day DCA. Wompy Goldberg. (laughs) Uh, And that is kind of Superstar Limo. It might be a while away, but we have some big, big plans for that episode uh, eventually. So we don't want to talk episode about it too much 50, here. baby. <laughs> uh, but let's quickly go through some of my favorite puns from uh, Hollywood Pictures Backlot. Uh, we've oh, got Luke, the- before you yeah. go too far, you're missing one of the other. Like, I just want to quickly point this out. Oh, is there They attraction? don't specify these as attractions. It's attractions and adventures. Oh, red yeah. flag. Red flag. <laughs> big red Which flag. Is, what's an adventure? Like here. One of the things that's know? listed is just the Hollywood backlot stage. What's uh, that? Zip, zam, boom. I think literally it's that whole thing where it's like, oh, you can go behind the sets and see wooden slats. <laughs> like, I know there I, is a stage I there. Think. But I, there is a stage at the Hollywood backlot stage. I've never seen anything on it. Every time it, I've been to DCA, I've never seen anything on that stage. I feel like maybe they had a plan to do something with oh, it. Like, wait, if no, you look I'm at the liar. map. I'm a big liar. Oh. Uh, when I oh. went, maybe 2015, there was some, like, Avengers show on there that was essentially the, you know, the Star Wars Jedi Academy show? 
It was that, uh, but yeah. for Avengers. That's uh, that's so the only like, thing I've ever seen on that stage. Bring the yeah. kids up, and Kylo yeah. Ren will battle the Avengers. Like, do the hand thing, and the Doctor Strange portal thing will appear. Like that, so on a screen, like that sort of stuff. And, and the that's the evil only thing guy I've ever from- seen there. Hideo Kojima's games Death Stranding will be sucked into the void. <laughs> oh no! Uh, but here we go. The top, the top puns, in my opinion, from this land are: we've got a private detective on one of the wi- windows. His name Phil M. Noir. Ah, uh, this hurts. Uh, like this, <laughs> legitimately. We should have a warning at the start of this episode. Be like, warning: this episode may contain puns. <laughs> Uh, what about, Just what about this one? Just to let people know. Here's, here's, a, here's a good one for you. This is a, a fake plastic surgeon's office uh, fitting for mm-hmm. Hollywood. Uh, gone with the chin. Oh, gone with the so- chin. <laughs> <laughs> That's not even a joke. <laughs> it's like they just... Okay, look, let's, let's make our own Disney Hollywood Studios pun. So, look, give me... Any TV show you can think of. Okay, uh, my TV show is going to be Home Improvement with Tim Allen. Home, home Improvement. Um, okay, so this is uh, it, it's part of the new Avengers part. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah, uh, it's going in line with the new puns. It's Home Sim Improvement because it's a simulation. That, that's good Did enough for opening day DCK. Yeah, tick, there we tick, go. Tick. Uh, there, and good job, me. That, and th- this is a weird one to me, but I've got to mention it. Philip A. Couch Casting Agency. Casting Couch reference in DCA? Oh, oh what no. What is going on, DCA? See, the, the really bad thing... Is that like the whole casting couch thing from what I know. And this is getting a little bit, um, you know, over PG. If you've got kids that listen to this, uh, first off, thanks for trusting us um, (laughs) to have a podcast that your kids can listen to. But probably just skip this part, you know, just slap that 30 seconds button a few times. (laughs) But from what I know, the whole casting couch thing, like, yeah, the the pornography casting couch, um, it started... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we talked over Zoom when we recorded there. He did this big, grandiose hand gesture. Like, a pornography one. <laughs> Porn- oh, oh, oh. This is the most adult thing we've ever talked about on this podcast. We're gonna get the but e. I'm fairly certain, like, this gets a little bit oof. Because I'm fairly certain that came about from when new actors in Hollywood and actresses. Oh, no, it is a true It thing. would be like, yeah. yeah, Harvey Weinstein would be like, hey, yep. so you want to be in this movie? Show me your body. Yeah, and pretty much. Like, just them referencing is that is like, At opening day DCA. Ooh, <laughs> a casting ow. couch joke. And these jokes would have been made by people in the industry who knew the scumminess that was going on around this. Yet it still wonder- was good enough and I've only read out three from this land. There's like 20. <laughs> All bad. Like Hello oh, to the parents DCA. who have joined us again. Uh, it's Welcome all PG back. from here on out. <laughs> we promise. Uh, let, let's get out of this land. This land of making me angry. Hollywood pictures backlot. No, wait, there's a... There's one thing I want to talk about. Um, There's a couple of uh, restaurants uh, that Mm. aren't really noteworthy. There's one that's called Fairfax Market, which uh, best 
you know, description ever, fresh fruit, vegetables and nuts. That's it, it, it is. That place is literally a market. They have some like ice trays out with like fresh fruit on it. And there'll be like can one cast member at a cashier. You can... Yes. My you Disneyland pickle. A pickle of the day. First pickle those of the pickles day. pickles are like bigger than my like biceps. Like those things are not natural. <laughs> Disney no, yeah. should really investigate where that supply is coming from because <laughs> that, I think the Chernobyl? legs, <laughs> any of those, th- th- something's not right with those. Uh, but what Have about you yeah. watched the video on how many turkeys are like slaughtered because of Disney? And it's no. something like billions oh. of turkeys. Just well, aren't for- they like super picky as well? It's like they only use the male turkeys. They only use them from a specific breed, and that's how they, like, selectively get the whopper turkey mm. leg, essentially. Because oh. they thought that for a while that it was, like, what was the rumor that it was, like, emu or something yeah, like that? emu <laughs> leg. <laughs> Have you ever seen Not an quite. emu? Good luck farming those things. <laughs> yeah, like, they're there's, huge. like, no meat on them anyway. Just this gangly <laughs> chicken foot, essentially. They uh, are horrifying birds. Yeah, I hate emus they scare me but i just want to quickly talk about one of these restaurants in here is between takes and it just says nachos nachos and more nachos from my like slight amount of time working um backstage in not backstage i was actually filming on the universal studios backlot as part of like a an exchange thing with the new york film academy um i don't really know much of the details of why I was doing it. I just remember doing it when I was younger. Um, but it was like Mexican food was all you ate when you were on the back lot. You would like finish hmm. shooting, they'd yell cut, and then the trailer would come out and it would just be like Nachos, nachos and more nachos. With the sleaziest food. Like this was the nastiest food that you could imagine. And like, do you think Hollywood glamour when you're on that back lot, there is no such yeah. thing as glamour. No. <laughs> the glamour only comes out at the premiere. Everything oh, yeah. on the back lot is just like, ooh. <laughs> Good to see that uh, DCA's Between Takes restaurant was the true feeling of the back lot. What it really oh. feels like to be on a Hollywood Pictures back lot. A hundred percent. These like capture the whole, you know, identity of the back lots being a bit crap. Which like you they're don't fantastical. Want for your, like, you know, <laughs> you don't want that for a theme park. Theme parks are meant to be escapists, not feel just dirty, which this is what it did. <laughs> but let's well, we've, let's we've let's leave the land. Let's for long enough. Let's get out of here. We let's need to go. cross Sunshine Plaza now. There's a parade. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're pushing oh, through oh. the crowds. Oh, I'm there, the, Luke. The three people who are in the park, get out of the way, because we've got to go <laughs> to the land. That is actually like six lands. Oh, is this Golden State? Golden State? Yes, Ah, which for some reason has uh, six mini lands within the one land, but some of the lands have no rides at all, no attractions. Ah, true. Um, For some reason. uh, See, I always saw Hmm. these as their own lands, but I guess it... No, it's officially just... just one land called Golden State. The park only opens with four lands, uh, but Golden mm. State, for some reason, yeah, is split into a number of smaller lands, most containing, you know, like one attraction 
with a relevant shop and maybe dining sort of thing. See, that makes it look a lot bigger than it actually is because you see there and it's like you see the four lands all next to each other on the map and it's like it's huge. Like this attraction Mm. list is massive. But then when you actually start to compare it to the, you know, what's actually in them and how much is in them and what they actually are, you very quickly realize (laughs) that they were- they were pulling for whatever they mm-hmm. could to call an attraction or an adventure, because it says here, attractions and again. adventures. And don't, I, just, I don't want to spend too long on this, but if you have the map up, you can play this game as well. Mm. Why are the numbers the way they are? Look at the attraction mm. numbers. Why is one yeah. on the other side of the park to two, and then <laughs> next to one is number five, and then next to five is number three? I like. I'm trying to think of you know. Okay, it's going off important. Oh, I know the answer. But number one, I know well, why. What is it? Because they've put the attractions in alphabetical order. Oh no! And they've numbered them in alphabetical order instead of the logical order of the layout of the park. Ah. Oh. <laughs> It's what? it's so confusing. And the yeah. thing that also annoys me is that they're not following the convention that the should not be lettered when mm-hmm. you're going to alphabetical order. So number nine should actually be number two. Mm-hmm. That's just my little nitpick. There are lots mm-hmm. of nitpicks about Disney California Adventure. <laughs> this is my worst one. This is where <laughs> you right. cross the line. <laughs> You've done it, Disney. Let's quickly go through the attractions and adventures that aren't really attractions and adventures. Number one, the Bountiful Valley Farm, where you can sit on a caterpillar tractor. Okay, that's the attraction. Moving on. No, wasn't wasn't this an actual farm? Like, weren't there people there who were literally, like, tending? I think so. I think it was kind of like living with the land. Yeah. Crap. But not really. <laughs> yeah. So everything in this is like compare it to something and then say butt crap. <laughs> a bad version. What about this? This is actually a, a lot of people like this. And number Ooh. six, the hosted by Mission Foods, the Mission Tortilla Factory, where you get a behind the scenes look at how they make tortillas, and at the end, you get a tortilla to eat, just dry, just plain tortilla, but you get it for free. <laughs> Oh, look, uh, that, why would I bother doing anything else? I'm just going. The park's quiet, so you could just loop the tortilla factory challenge or whatever. See how many tortillas you can get for free. Can you make Disney go bust by eating so many tortillas (laughs) at this park? I wonder if it's, like, structured in such a way so that if you just had, like, a group of 500 people who were just, like, going around on a loop that they're not, like, oh, oh and, like, <laughs> pumping out tortillas, like, the machines are, like, shaking. Yeah, engineers at the other side of the park are getting called in because you've got this group that's just rotating around trying to get tortillas. But I also, I'm cranky at you because you're following now the same numbering convention as the park, but in an odd way. We've jumped from one to six, I'm, Luke. I'm just talking about the 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 non-attractions, getting them out of the ah, way, because there's another one okay. that's the same sort of thing. Uh, the Boudin Bakery Tour, hosted by Boudin <laughs> Bakery. I don't know who Boudin Bakery is. I'm guessing they're a, like some famous bakery. But the same thing, you get bread at the end. And I so last time I was in the park a couple of years ago, I feel bad for the cast member who was there because she looked 
Like she was having the worst day I've ever seen somebody look. <laughs> she's sitting on this stool and she's got these tongs and she's putting them in a, like this big plastic bag of bread and she d- she just doesn't look away. She just puts the tongs in the bag, grabs the bread, doesn't look at you, reaches over, puts the bread in your hand, drops it. And then goes back to a neutral <laughs> position. She could have been an animatronic, I reckon. She looked like she was having the worst day. And me and my friend are walking through. We're getting bread. Woohoo! Look how they make bread. Oh, I'm. Just, I love the expression that you use, where it's like she reset into neutral position, <laughs> as if it was just like her body contoured away from itself, and she just like merged back in with the scenery, like you know, one with the ship, one with the crew. Like bakers are like coming out of the walls. <laughs> she needs more bread. Uh, they made that, a pact the- with Michael Eisner. <laughs> that's the non-attractions, I would say. That have been counted as attraction, two of which are ways to get free carbs. Mm. So, yay for that. <laughs> Can I just point out as well, like, everything is so blatantly advertising. Oh, yeah. Like, sponsored by, sponsored by, sponsored by. But nothing that, by. like, is really good is no. sponsored. Yeah. It's like all the things that are sponsored are, like... The Valley Farm, uh, the Mission Tortilla yeah. Factory, the Like, the attractions are Like, you know, the big e-ticket attractions don't have sponsors, but all the random little stuff does. And I honestly feel it. Did they just go to them, hey, Caterpillar, if you bring in five tractors and some fencing, we'll let you say that it's your own attraction. Oh, I was trying to figure out what Caterpillar was for a second. I thought it was like a book company, and then I no, realized cat. it's the dozer. Yeah, cat. Yeah, the big cat. C-A-T. <laughs> well, you're uh, also missing out in there. Another, like, non-attraction is the Golden Vine Winery. Oh, no. oh, wow. You're going to say that that is not an attraction when it has the best film to ever be in a Disney theme park, Seasons of the Vine. An attraction I don't know all about how they make wine. <laughs> oh, is it kind of like that And you get movie? to taste wine at the end of it, I think. I, you used to. I don't know if you do anymore. That seems like a huge liability. <laughs> like, having free wine in a Disney park. That does... I don't know whether I would personally approve that. You know, I wouldn't personally approve that. <laughs> uh, whoever did, good on you. <laughs> You're braver but- than me. It's sponsored by... It's hosted. By... Yeah? Oh. No, you say it was... I don't want to read his name. I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> Robert Mondavi. Who's, who's famous that? for... Huh? Let... I, uh... I can hear the clacking. Mr. Robert Mondavi, the king Ooh. of... If you look him up, he's got one of those classic, like, pictures, you know, sort of on the job. He's doing, like... Yeah, he's got a cowboy hat, huge oh. eyebrows, um, and he's, like, oh. holding up a wine glass. Yeah, that man, he's got a soft focus on his face, like, with lighting. Mm. That man's serious about his wine. Um, oh, also, he's dead. Uh, oh. <laughs> he died in 2008. he was too serious. <laughs> he needed to, to, to get to the next level. He needed to consult with Jesus. He's ascended. Uh, <laughs> oh, <my laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Oh. GCA brings it out of us. It's the wild episode. We've got the casting couch. We've got poor, may he rest in peace, Mr. Mondavi. This dude oh. lived for a long time. He was born in Maybe 1913. Wine is the secret. What's that? And That's like, yeah, 95 he was just years under. old. Yeah. Wow. Napa Valley. Oh, that's a big winery. Napa Valley. That's like a famous place for wine. But yeah, you got the seasons of the vine. You can't say that's not the seventh best attraction in the park. Hmm. No, it's... But- Oh, his son's still alive as well. So I'm sorry if we've disrespected the um, the legacy of your father. If <laughs> you listen Monta. to this, if you're one of the 400 people who regularly listen to our podcast, <laughs> he's Mon- just there and he's like, "Wait, they're, they're talking about me. That's me. We made it. We made the big. T- oh no! Why'd they say that about my pa?" <laughs> Look, I feel like we were respectful in the best way possible. Yeah, we were speaking doing of the- respectful. Let's talk about uh, some actual okay attractions. Probably Wompy two of the Goldberg. best attractions in the park. Uh, let's get that out of the way. Wompy Goldberg's Golden Dreams, where Wompy Goldberg plays Khalifa, a fake made-up goddess, and tells us the story of California. And on either side of the stage is big, creepy, projection map Whoopi Goldberg faces. That's the... <laughs> Dom's almost just, choked uh, on his water. <laughs> so I was just sipping a drink and then I had like this image. You're in this small room and just like either side of you flanking you are these gigantic <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg faces. That's pretty just, much it. Like slowly. And Michael Eisner's there and they're like, sir, we made the effigy for you. And he's like, more, <laughs> more, more Whoopi. <laughs> more whoopee. Uh, So we've seen Whoopi We've had our golden dream with Whoopi And we're going to ride some of the decent attractions in the park Uh, Quickly to get out of the way I don't think you actually said what golden dreams was You just told us what Whoopi Goldberg's inclusion was No, it's like So it's a story of uh, California told via Whoopi Goldberg, who plays this goddess character of Khalifa. And it talks, you know, about uh, all the people who have made California what it is, essentially. Mm. So it is kind of the American adventure, but just about California. And it's a uh, film, not okay. an animatronic show. Like, that's kind Did of the have best. the Golden Dreams song? I don't know. It seems like it should have. Hmm. Which, which, if you don't know, Surely possibly- it would have. The greatest song of all time. We have seen people literally crying to that song at the American Adventure at Epcot. That's how powerful Golden Dreams is. Uh, quickly get it out of the way. Also in this land is Tough to Be a Bug. Literally the same ride from... Uh, same attraction that opened up at the Tree of Life at Disney's Animal Kingdom. It's a 4D show where you get shrunk down to the size of a bug and for some reason, they put it in this park, probably because it was cheap. It was already developed. And they just put it in like this generic show building. Like, you know, the Tree they- of Life is this beautiful theater. And here it's like in a shed, just a shed out the <laughs> side of the land. They must have had like a bag just full of, you know, C and D ticket attractions. They're like, <laughs> all right, out, shuffle the bag. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, it's tough to be a bug. We're putting that in. Some Imagineer there is crying as to like, how do I fit? It's tough to be a bug in a 
a theme park uh, dedicated to California. Put it right across from the Caterpillar land, apparently, <laughs> which is what it, it, where it is. Maybe they saw, right you know, next. sponsored by Caterpillar and they were like, eh, that's close enough. That's the closest bug related <laughs> thing we're going to get. If they legitimately went, oh, yes, Caterpillar, construction vehicles, <laughs> but they have the name of a bug. Yes, we have to put in it stuff, to, which is possibly the most Michael Eisner thing I've ever heard. That, that I don't would think have it's true, We're laughing, but, but it's my head cannon now. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> Uh, and the other thing, they also have a, like a challenge trail. It's called the Redwood Creek Challenge Trail. Uh, it has like some oh, yeah. zip lines, some nets to climb in. Um, that part's kind of fun. You get a decent view of the Grand Californian Hotel, which and is right next got to it. Abweni Camp Circle. Yeah, there's like a little th- kind of theater there. Uh, one time Ab-wabney. I was there, they had like a brother bear show there. So that kind of oh. dates that. Uh, oh, but yeah. let's talk wow. quick. Two of the best attractions in the land are in this area. The first one, and what is actually the icon of the park, the sun wheel or the hub or whatever, sun hub, just draws you towards the end of the main street. The true icon of the park is Grizzly Peak, which is this massive mountain range that's designed to look Mm. like the head of a bear, a grizzly bear. I quite like it. It's kind of cool. I also really like the old school Disney California Adventure logo with like the three different type faces, the howling bear with the sun behind it. Like it's very... Early 2000s, but I quite like it. I really like it as well. I actually really like this attraction. I think it's well-paced. I think it's really well-themed and well-designed. It's one of the best, I would say, rapids rides in the world. But it's also basically where the entire park's budget went because they would have gone, okay, this is the thing that people are seeing from either Disneyland or the highway. Um, So you're going to make sure it's good. Yeah. Uh, And Though, even the, then, the attraction that, is like a quarter of the park as well. Like, yeah. it's huge. Takes the probably like just, a good 10 minutes to walk around. Like, I want to point out how weird it is that there is a land within this park that you cannot get to unless you entirely go through another land. Like, every, it's just mm. so segmented and weird. The layout is it's, very bizarre. Mm. Which, okay, and now we'll talk about probably the best ride, in my opinion, of the park. The one ride that made the park worth a visit in its opening era, and that is Soarin' Over California. Mm. A spectacular ride where it fe- feels like you're hang gliding. It, This original version of the attraction was completely created by Walt Disney Imagineering. If you've ever seen any TV special from the time, you probably see <laughs> the little old man who's like, I was playing with my son's Kinect set, and I made this little Scalectrix version and we scaled it up and that's Soren. <laughs> like It's really cool because if you imagine it, uh, like put out your arm and pick three points on your arm and then it's like hang some things off mm. it. And that's like the carriages that you sit in. And then when you make your arm go from a horizontal position to a vertical position, now those seats rotate so that mm. they're facing a screen, but on top of each other. It's very clever. Yeah. It is a great ride and it has some beautiful smellitzer effects, the orange groves, oh. stuff like that. Uh, recently, it's been upgraded to 4K. Mm. The Disney California Adventure version now kind of rotates between showing this original version of the attraction, Soarin' Over California, and the newer version, Soarin' Around the World. I prefer Soarin' Over California for this park. And in my yeah. opinion, this if you went to this park 
at opening, this is the place to be. Like, this is mm. the attraction that would drag you across from Disneyland, even if only Which for an hour. Which is funny, because you can literally walk in. Like, even though we've talked about this whole land, like, it's so confusing in its layout, it's because so you can walk into the park, take a right, and there's Soarin'. Yeah. In the same land, you walk into the park, walk... Through Golden Vine Winery, through Bountiful <laughs> Valley Farm, up to Pacific Walk, and you're at the Tortilla Factory. So, mm-hmm. it's just like, it's really odd. <laughs> um, but I, I absolutely agree. It's hard to describe soaring, and it's hard to describe why it's so good, because yeah. when you put it into On words, paper, it's- It doesn't sound great. Yeah, it's a motion simulator where you're essentially looking at a big dome screen. But it's yeah. that thing where it's like the combination of everything combined together, the smells, the effects, the mist, um, mm. that sort of really does create for that sensation that you are flying. And you are also like over quite a steep drop. Like if you look yeah. directly down, it's a fair bit. So it's, yeah, I, I really enjoy Soarin'. Um, yeah, I don't know great- anyone who doesn't enjoy no, Soarin'. It- Pretty much anyone in the family can ride it. I'm not sure what the height requirement is. I don't think it's huge, though. Um, where does it say? Uh, minimum height, 107 centimeters. I don't know if that's tall <laughs> or not. Uh, 42 inches for those. I'm trying to look at, you know, something else in the park. What's California Screamin's is uh, 48 inches. So, it's a little little shorter than that. Uh, quick. Let's, there's 11 restaurants in this land, so we're oh, not going to talk about I them just- all. But. I just remembered a story mm-hmm. from uh, being in Condor Flats where Soren is. Um, so the first time I ever went to DCA, I just I needed to Google a couple of things just to confirm all of the details. <laughs> but basically, really what happened? <laughs> we went to DCA and I was with like a tour group and one of our tour guides, like the people who were, this is in the same trip that we were working on the back lot. One of our tour guides was someone who had worked um, on Channel 7 in Australia doing things like Home and Away and that. Um, very handsome, pretty guy. Imagine the guy you'd sort of expect on mm-hmm. Home and Away, like buff, mm-hmm. good looking Hemsworth sort of dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he was walking around and it was within DCA around here that he was like, I'm I'm getting a lot of looks. And he was wearing blue jeans and a red top. And he's like, just lots of people, mostly guys, are, are like looking at me and smiling at me and winking at me. And he's like, I, I don't know what's going on. So we, we kept on walking around and he kept on getting it. And then he figured out, he looked at someone's shirt as they walked past. They were also wearing blue jeans and a red <laughs> shirt. It was the annual gay days weekend. Oh. And he didn't realize. <laughs> so he had all of these guys who were sort of hitting on him. He ended up like running into a shop and changing his shirt. He had no problem with them. It was just like, look, I don't want to give them the wrong idea. Yeah. So but I just remember that specific memory. It was around Condor Flats where he's like, I need a shirt. I just, any shirt. <laughs> And, and, and he just grabbed knowing like- Knowing early DCA, there was a thousand shops to pick from uh, in- Oh, just- Michael Eisner himself walked out <laughs> and gave him a shirt for 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> i give you a special deal. Uh, as we were saying, there's 11 restaurants. I'm going to give you my top three again. Wow. The top three best named restaurants. Uh, number one, in no particular order, the Lucky Fortune Cookery. Oh, 
instead of the Lucky Fortune cookie. And number two. Pacific Rim favorites, including <laughs> egg rolls, noodles, and rice bowls. That sounds pretty good, actually. Yeah. Uh, number t- Next one, it wouldn't be Disney without burgers. Uh, and the mm. burgers in this park, wh- why does that have a sun icon next to it? What does that mean? What does the sun uh, icon mean? It means mean? breakfast items available. And uh, the apple means healthy items. So, apparently, the burger place oh. is where you go to get the healthy items. That makes sense. <laughs> uh, hey, the, burger the burgers place- have lettuce on them. <laughs> <laughs> Just take the rest off and eat the lettuce. Uh, the burger place is called... Taste Pilots Grill, as in test oh. pilots, and taste. It doesn't even work. No, you think that matters <laughs> for DCA? What? And the, number one, it, it wouldn't be a, another. We've got another taste for one. We, we've talked about you know the the scummy practices of the Hollywood industry. How about this one? Let's make a little joke about you know one of those big natural disasters that California is known for. It kills lots of people and ruins countless people's houses. How about Sam Andrea's shakes? Oh, it's a milkshake place <laughs> named after a San Andreas earthquakes that have killed hundreds of people over the years, ladies and gentlemen. It's like Dreamworld coming out and be like, hey, guys, we've got our new barbecuing grill. It's called the Australian Bushfires Grill. <laughs> oh, but it's got it's- a little clever. It's got a little a little sly clever pun. Instead of a bush, it's called like a push fire. And the sign is a guy pushing a fire away. And it's like, ooh, push fire smoke and grill. Yum. Oh. Like, how did they get away with this? It was 2001. Twitter wasn't yeah. invented yet. There was no cancel yeah. culture. Look, they could get away with lots of things. And look, <laughs> yeah, I was sitting here. I'm like, man, we're not going to get th- through this park, Luke. There's so much more we have to go through. And then I realized, oh, there's one more land. And the We've- land is off the shelf attractions, the land. So there's not really that much <laughs> to talk about. Uh, but the lucky last land, the one that's around the water. Also, quickly touching on one point of Golden State, one of the mini lands is just a dining location. Pacific Wharf doesn't have any attractions apart from the free food <laughs> tours. That's just dining. That doesn't count. One of the other the ones Pacific is Wharf called the is Bay still Area. There. Yeah, Pacific Wharf is still there. It still has dining. Uh, good margarita, good frozen margaritas. Uh, Pacific Ooh. Wharf. Uh, it's it's called some stupid name. Uh, 2001, I can't remember what it's called now. Uh, But let's talk finally about Paradise Pier. As we're saying, off-the-shelf attractions, the park. We'll smash through them quickly. I'll get all the boring ones out of the way. Uh, We have the Golden Zephyr. Just spins in a circle on a giant kind of spaceship-looking thing. I'm guessing it's a parody of something, Golden Zephyr. I don't know what. Golden Zephyr. Yeah, I've always wondered where this name comes from. Yeah. Um, I don't really know. I've never been able to track down sort of mm. what it's referring to. Um, I'm trying to think if you just want to keep on talking, I'll yep. try and figure out where it comes uh, from. We've also got Jumpin' Jellyfish, which is just a paratower theme to jellyfish. Uh, we have a carousel, King Triton's carousel. Uh, it's a carousel made up of sea creatures. Uh, one of the worst themed n- named rides in the world, the Malabooma, which is a <laughs> SNS shock tower that was actually quite tall, if I remember correctly. I have been on this, uh, but it was literally just a three shock towers 
that would shoot you up. If you got a good side, you'd get a good view of Disneyland. If you got a bad mm. side, you get a bad view of the streets of Anaheim. Um, but they so, the only interesting part, they had scream shields on this attraction. They had these big yeah. perspex shields that would go in front of you so that when you screamed, it didn't echo into the the neighborhoods of Anaheim. The unfortunate thing is that these essentially created a funnel. So if you had yeah. someone who was feeling a bit sick and decided to throw up, they would <laughs> throw up onto these screen shield mm-hmm. and then it would literally fall back down like into your lap. Which is yep. just not an appealing sign. <laughs> um, I just want to quickly bring it back to Golden Zephyr. Oh, yeah. Uh, it seems to be talking about um, their theme to the Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon style rocket ships, but hmm. it was designed to be a relaxing trip. So this is essentially DCA's equivalent of Dumbo and the Astro Orbiter. Um, hmm. Which is, like, it's slow. Which, yeah, it, it only goes 16 kilometers height. an hour. Um, yeah. The inspiration came from uh, Blackpool Pleasure Beach. Yeah, they have so, a very similar attraction. Yeah, but this is meant to be much bigger than the original attraction, which opened in, like, 1904. Yeah. Because this is meant to be, like, a classic uh, pier, like, uh, seaside amusement park, this area, Paradise Pier, which is why they, well, they got away with, in inverted commas, just having all these off-the-shelf rides because, hey, that's the theme. Uh, last mm. one is Orange Stinger, uh, where a giant orange and inside you rode around on a wave swinger that the seats look like bee bums and you were spinning around inside a giant orange peel. All right, and uh, lucky last for the not real attractions that they're counting as attractions is the SS Rustworthy, an attraction that is just a play place sponsored by McDonald's and right across the way you could get McDonald's. (laughs) There we go. Great. (laughs) Uh, But there is two, I would say, unique attractions in this park. Uh, Sorry, this part of the park. Number one being the Sun Wheel, the most terrifying ferris wheel of all time oh yeah this attraction so basically if you haven't seen it imagine a ferris wheel so you've got your exterior sort of like yeah at the pinnacle of the circle not the pinnacle the outer rim Hmm. of the circle you've got you know your ferris wheel stuff your, your little carriages but then inside that you've got rails and the carriages can then swing on Mm. these rails as it goes around. So at certain point, you literally get thrown into like the side of the Ferris wheels if you're going to be flung out. Yeah. And then you just swing there for a bit. I I personally haven't done this. I'm not yet brave enough, Um, but I have done done the Um, non-moving. I did it with my my grandmother at one point and we were sitting across from like two random people and almost ended up in their lap. Uh, oh, so that cute. was the thing. Um, and I've done it quite a few times. It, it's really like they've got a Ferris wheel and mixed it with a roller coaster. Yeah. And it looks from a f- even off ride. It doesn't look scary. The part that is scary. So you get on like, this will be fun. This looks fine. And then it is terrifying. Like if the you're not ready for well, it, there's no seat belts either. Like I can't figure out why they put this in. 
like mm. why they needed to have a thrill Ferris wheel. It's based. I guess off, they needed believe, it to be unique. Yeah. There's so there's only a couple of these in the world. The one that springs to mind, I think, the one it's directly uh, referenced, kind of themed after, is the one in New York called the Wonder Wheel. Mm. Uh, it's around the Luna Park area, Coney Island area of New York. Uh, that's the only one I know of. There might be a couple of others, but it is like a really weirdly unique ride. Uh, and at this point in time, it also has a terrifying sun face on it, as if the other giant metallic sun wasn't scary enough. This one has a scary face as well as being giant and metallic. They loved their gold. Like uh, everything in this suns. park yeah. is gold, gold yeah. and blue. Yeah. Like, it, it's like the color scheme of the park, but <laughs> it's also very sort of, I feel from that era, like dull yeah. contrasting colors. Um, they're sort of like pastely in that sense. Did you also mention um, before Mulholland Madness? No, I haven't mentioned Mulholland Madness. Because I, I haven't bad. written the new version of this. <laughs> um, basically, it's just... Uh, it's a, a mini coaster, like a wooden it's a wild mouse. Wild mouse. You've, you've, if oh, you've ridden wooden. a coaster in the world, you've only had the chance to ride one. I reckon the higher majority of people, it probably is a wild mouse. Like, yeah. There's so but many this of was them. So random because like, I'm going to say something a little bit bloody controversial. Um, I actually really liked this. I thought it was a fun coaster. It, I think that might yeah, be. It wasn't yeah. anything special, but See, it I don't was like just it fun. now. But yeah, I remember it being fun. Like when I was, you know, 15, 16, I was like, yeah, yeah this is cool. You know, now that I appreciate theming uh, a little more, I guess, <laughs> than I did back then. And back then it was just themed to like Mulholland Drive, which is this like wavy road, essentially, that goes like yeah, back and so forth. I remember, like, on the outside, they had these big sort of boards that blocked yeah. you off from the outside of the park. And then they had, like, billboards where it looked like yeah. you had, like, driven through it. And, yeah. yeah, they had signs that were spinning. It was meant to be essentially being like, whoa, look at how crazy LA <laughs> traffic is. Yeah. Um, which was probably yeah, essentially written up in jest after so many... Bloody Imagineers would have been traveling to Burbank every day going, I hate this traffic. Oh, don't you mean I Burbank? Burbank. <laughs> I also want to point out, uh, this is one of the six attractions that has Fast Pass. Yeah. So and one of there's... the other ones that does, another, I would say probably the top three attractions in the park, even though it's not gr like super duper unique, uh, is California Screamin'. A launched roller coaster that's actually a steel roller coaster, but designed to look like a classic traditional wooden roller coaster. Mm. So it has like all these extra supports that it doesn't actually need. Yeah. It, it was basically theming. Um, yeah. Looking at the attraction, you would look at it and go, oh, that's a Woody. Um, but yeah. once you get closer and it's launched and all that, you quickly realize that it's not. But I, I would say, and the interesting thing about this is, I would put this as probably a low top five in DCA nowadays. Yeah. But at this point, this was, in my opinion, the reason to go to the park yeah. if you were just a general sort of day guest. Because mm -hmm. you would have seen that from either the highway or from far away. Yeah, this towering roller coaster, and it's so enticing. Everything yeah. else 
is just sort of there. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing, like, apart from maybe Grizzly uh, River Rapids or whatever it's called, I, I can't grizzly see river the name. Run. Yeah, so you've got the Grizzly Peak area, um, yep. you've got Soren, and you've got um, Screaming, Screaming Over California. California. Yep. Yes, that one. Oh, my <laughs> gosh, I just wasn't able to get my names out then. But outside of that, that's it, in my opinion, yeah. for DCA. Like, there is nothing else that I would no be willing to, to go, go out of there. my way for. Instead of Disneyland. Like, what's mm. the point? Uh, but to wrap up quickly, our, our favorite part of talking about every land, it's our, the, the puns of the land. Uh, we've got... Oh, baby. Uh, m- a, a burrito place called Malibu Ritu. God, I messed that up. Oh, they'll, <laughs> they'll kill me now if I... Messed up their great pun. Malibu You're looking Ritos. at your phone. Michael there Eisner wants to know your address. <laughs> <laughs> Malibu um, Ritos. Malibu Ritos. Uh, which we also have the Malibuma, um, which we've already said. But a second <laughs> one. Uh, this one's a store this time. Uh, we've got the Manhattan Beach, a hat oh. store, which is M A N space H A T space N, just the letter N. And then beach. So Manhattan Beach. And then one, I don't know how they got away with this. It's spelt L-A-O-D-B-H-A-N-G's pin traders. It's themed to like a Chinese cart. And it's pronounced Loud Bang Pin Traders. Oh, no. DCA, (sighs) what are you doing? They're, they're ticking all the offense boxes. They've just ticked all the offense boxes through puns. The worst way to offend somebody through a pun. It's just if 2001 DCA was a person, it would have been cancelled. Like there yeah. would have been a, a whole Twitter crucifixion for them. Like <laughs> it just would not have flown. But no. 2001 was also a very different time. We're thinking yeah. like that's 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah, you could get away with loud bangs, pin traders, which was a pun <laughs> on the fact that Chinese people, you know, like fireworks essentially. Yeah. Like <laughs> uh, early DCA. <laughs> uh, we've got one last thing we'll talk about. We we said we'll save it to the end. It is the chat of the parade because this park it was small, but it opened with a parade route, and it opened yes. with a unique parade. Simply called Eureka. Now, this parade was oh. themed to California, essentially. Uh, Eureka is the official state motto of the state of California. And it's meant to be, the parade's meant to be this, you know, celebrating the diversity, the different uh, ethnicities, the different cultures of California. But it did so with some rather weird floats. And I just want to round out the episode. With my three favorite floats from Eureka, Disney California Adventures opening day parade. In number three, we've got a man in a suit. And on his head Mm. is the Hollywood Bowl. And he has a tiny puppet conductor in front of him. And that's it. That's the float, apparently. (laughs) Like that he's walking around. Describe this. Yeah, you 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 might do better than me. 
So imagine, yeah, you know, you've got the Hollywood Bowl and then you've got like that cut out in the stage where, you know, you can walk out into the audience a little bit. This guy's head is poking <laughs> up through there. Right in front of his forehead is this tiny little conductor puppet where he can move around and like wave its hands. And behind it is like essentially a 2D printout of an orchestra. Mm. But it's also, like, netted and wired. And the guy also has, like, this big just sort of, like, grin. He's very yeah. happy to be wearing he, that costume. That, that like, good on him. Good he job, owns yeah. it. He was happy about it. Which, good I'm on him. Just, uh, the Hollywood Bowl guy from 2001. <laughs> happy 20th anniversary to one of the third best parade character of the bunch, in my opinion. We'll chuck all of these on Twitter so that you, yeah. um, you can see them can yourself. See them. Uh, this... Second one is just a big girl in a bikini. Yeah, that's that's the, <laughs> that's the California. Her name, her like, her, I think it might be Khalifa again, but it's meant to be the six different deities that represent the state of California. Uh, and this one is the beach, the beach babe, and she is just wearing a pink bikini. She's got some giant sunnies on, and behind her, this is a statue, by the way. This person we're describing. And behind them is, like, a girl on a surfboard and a dude doing roller skate tricks on the float. Like, that thing behind that you can see, the circle, there's Whoa. a guy doing roller rollerblading tricks in that circle. That's kind of cool. That's doing a cool some, job. Some, some stunts. Um, but the These number floats, one. Also, I just want to point out, look awful. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> And there's so they many just, of them. Yeah. We're only talking about three. I reckon there'd be 50 different things in this parade. Whoa. Like, I like, think it yeah, probably... They're the okay. short. <laughs> yeah. Like, the thing for me is it's like, it's just not what you expect from Disney. No. I think that describes the whole park. The whole park. Not what yeah. you expect from Disney. <laughs> but the number one... What's third one, Luke? It has to be the number one of all time. When you think of California... You think of all the icons. To me, one of the things that comes to mind, the Golden Gate Bridge. You got this beautiful, picturesque orange bridge spanning San Francisco. How would you turn that into a parade float? Well, Disney figured it out. It's two men on stilts, red stilts wearing black t-shirts, and a giant bridge costume that spans between them. Think of the two-person horse costume Except they're wearing a bridge instead. And this thing, no joke, is probably 20 feet long. Like. <laughs> it is so ridiculous. Gargantuan. And they've got it's, something uh, on their head. This- I can't tell what it is, but it looks like they've got sweatbands or some, like. It kind of looks like, you know, the guy who's head. like. I'm a flippery snake. It kind of <laughs> looks like his hat. He's got the snake hat <laughs> on. But that those are the top three of Eureka. And two more things. We will, I'm sure, eventually talk about the park from this date. Because this is how the park opened mm. on day one. It saw huge changes really quick. With the first one being everyone essentially saying, and as you listen to what's in this park... Everyone just went, okay, but where's the Disney? What made Mm. this park uniquely Disney? Nothing, really. The only attractions with characters 
was it's tough to be a bug, essentially. And you can't exactly say that the Bugs Life characters are the most Disney unique known characters in the world. Yeah. The crazy thing as well is I've just opened up for fun um, the old park map and compared it to the new park map. And it is insanely different, Mm. like how different these two parks are now. Like, it's incredible. And even then, like, if the 2020 park map's a bit weird because it's got, like, this dead space in the middle that used to be, like, Bugs Land, um, then that's going to become Avengers when it reopens. Yeah. Go back to 2012. That's probably, like, in my opinion, the golden era for this park for like filling it out, stuff like that. If you do, though, want to see what this park was like in 2001, you ha- there's something you have to watch. It is our favorite oh, yeah. Disney theme park TV special of all time. Look up Disney California Adventure opening day special 2001. It has Colin Mockery. And one of the other guys from Whose Line Is Anyway, uh, what's the other guy's name? Um, it's not Ryan. Oh, I just remember him think. as like the chubby one. Yeah. Uh, so I can't remember his two name. Chasing two other guys who are from something else, but I'm not super familiar with them, through DCA, where they had to, ca- they had to create this weird storyline to drive the special forward. And at the end is one of the greatest moments in television history the big cheese gag. <laughs> we don't want to spoil it, but the big cheese gag might be the greatest moment of Disney theme park television history. I, I don't want to oh, call it. It's incredible. But if you would like I'm, to I'm see- just trying oh. to. Um, there's a couple of people who are present in this. Um, yeah. There is, of course, Michael Eisner. Then there's oh, yeah. Colin Mockery. Yeah, that's I think what... it's George Myers who you were thinking of. No, that's not oh, him. No, it definitely isn't um, because he's from Air Force One. <laughs> I'm just looking I know at the name. Oh, Richard Kind. No, Richard Kind is one of the two he's chasing, and Richard Kind also voices uh, Hopper's brother in Bugs Life. Ah, uh, that's is true. Uh, is yeah, it... I, I can't Gr- seem to no, find. It's not They're not Greg, even listed it's not on Wayne, here. It's not. Hold on, it's let's pause. One of them. We'll come back. We're gonna we're gonna get this right. Pause. All right, we figured it out. We're back. The the ever it is Brad Sherwood and Colin Mockery as two security guards chasing around Richard Kind uh, and who's, uh, we've we've messed it up. But they're chasing around two <laughs> people I don't recognize. Uh, Richard Kind and Barry Bostwick, and then they run into Michael Eisner at the end. And set up this hilarious gag. But to me, the fact that they had to make a literally a one-hour TV special, they need to make 40 minutes of content with ads. They had to come up with this storyline to tie it all together because the park didn't have 40 minutes of interesting content to show off on opening. Uh, it, it is just incredible, like, <laughs> what they did with this. And if that yeah, you've got other people the park, in there. Like, you've got... Patrick Warburton mm. in there who would like I feel Mr. at this Soren. point he was still sort of like a a B-list actor and then he sort of he would really have done started by to here, wouldn't he? Emperor's New Groove? Oh no, maybe not yet. 2001. No, 2001 is Oh no, he did. Yeah. Um, Cuz I think that's the where they 2000 he did. Yeah. Because they picked him for Soren, they, like, but they, he wasn't their first choice. 
They wanted the other. Who's mm. the other guy who's like famous for being a pilot? Um, big actor, oh. the guy from Greece. That yeah. guy. Wow, this is a, wow, a this really is good the- end to the podcast. Where they're like, <laughs> okay, let's, let's pick it up with some. Hey, who's that? <laughs> if you would like to see a sequel where we talk about everything that happened to DCA since two thousand and one, let us know. Uh, everywhere, any final thoughts for DCA Dom? We've ragged on it this episode. Anything you want to finish with? Look, I feel like at the start, um, DCA has a certain charm, the original DCA. Uh, but at the same time, it's just also that thing that you can tell this was a park that was made on $600 million. Mm. You know, sometimes you go to a park and if you can sense how cheap it is, then you've done poorly. You cannot make a fully-fledged theme park off that money. And I think they almost did themselves a disservice because if they just opened it up with something like Westcott and just really went to town with that idea and just went, yeah, money is no object. I know they couldn't necessarily do it because they didn't have the money, um, but even just put the project on hold. Disneyland Mm. didn't need a second gate. They wanted a second gate out of greed, essentially. Mm -hmm. They were like, we can make more money if there's a second park so that people will stay in our resorts and stay at the area for longer. And I feel that what happened was that people ended up just not really bothering. They were still just going to Disneyland and DCA just became a backdrop. Yep, exactly. And we've ragged on this park because this park, the park we've explained, the park that opened in 2001, the park that celebrated 20 years, that is a bad park. But today, I quite like Disney California Adventure. I'm, I'll easily yeah. spend a couple of days there anytime I go to the Disney resort nowadays because now it is a good park. As I said before, I feel 2012 is the best era of that park. It's changing a lot. Uh, when it eventually reopens with Avengers Campus, it's going to be another completely different park. It's lost its way a little bit in California, but I'm excited to get back and see what it feels like. Maybe Guardians won't be so out of place, but that will do it for this week's episode. A long one, a bit of a silly one at some points, but hopefully you enjoyed it. (laughs) Uh, If you'd like to get in touch and Tell us how good this episode was and how much you want to see those sequels. You can get in touch with me. I'm on Twitter at ReviewTimeLuke. I'm at ReviewTimeDumb. You can get us both at TimeReview on Twitter or at ReviewTime everywhere else. Dom, I believe we have a, a special little episode next week. Is that true? Yes. I, I, I don't know what it is. Oh, I think I might have put it in the schedule for you. So it'll be a surprise to you and the listeners. So make sure you stay tuned for an exciting game that I've come up with next week on the show. Ooh. So we'll see you then. Thanks for watching, listening. <laughs> see ya. <laughs> see ya. <laughs> Review Time's theme podcast is brought to you by Luke, Carol, and Dominic Lacey. A big shout-out goes to our patrons, Jake Cool, Ruben Mays, Jane McRoberts, Peter Matthews, Jeremy Kufakis, Louis Najira, Luke Shekatano, Ray Dredge, John Madison, Michael Pinn, Janine Kerr, CG Lemonade, Tim Descenzo, Josie McDougal, Stephen Sherrock, Matt Sakal, Norman Lacey, Sincerely Mac, Bobby McDougal, Brendan Brown, Martin Lugerson, Kevin Kaiser, and to you, the listener. 
Review Times theme podcast will be back next week. <laughs>